Welcome to Making Bank, the show for Bankless DAO by Bankless DAO, where each week we highlight a project and a personality from inside the Bankless DAO. We want to showcase the work that we do and the people who do it. This is our story as we journey to become more bankless. If you want to learn more about what it is that we do, then just keep listening. We hope you enjoy today's episode of Making Bank. Hi, I'm Drost, and welcome to another episode of Making Bank. Today, I'm joined by Eist Kuhl, one of our core contributors at Bankless DAO. Eist has been with Bankless DAO since its inception over two years ago and has been a core contributor in multiple areas, including the Developer Guild and Operations, as well as Treasury and Tokenomics. Today, he returns to Making Bank to talk specifically about a new primitive he and the Tokenomics team have been working on that will help facilitate governance, contributor retention, and more. That new primitive is TL Bank. Hey, Eist, welcome back to Making Bank. Hey, Drost, happy to be back. Welcome. Um, I know it's been a little bit of a challenge getting to this point, a couple of iterations on getting the UI going on TL and making sure the, the contracts are working and all of that. But before we jump into TL Bank, let's back up a little bit and talk about, you know, this is Bankless DAO and our listenership is mostly DAO folk, but we may have some other folks listening in at this point. And we might want to start with what Bank is. Bank is the native token of the Bankless DAO. And what does that represent? Yeah, for sure. And so Bank as a token is a governance token. It's a degree of a compensation. It's a lot of different things. You know, it's something that we reward our contributors with for work done and that we issue grants in. And I think anyone, you know, contributing to Bankless DAO is deeply familiar with this. It is a token that you can use to steer the ship of Bankless DAO, as well as, you know, to do what you want with as a base financial primitive of like, you can buy, sell, trade it, do what you want. And that is the token. There's a lot I can go into right there. There's conversations about like, should tokens be the thing that steer DAOs? Should they not? Should it be NFTs? Like what kind of token, all these things, but it's a token we've got. And, and, you know, the inception of the DAO two years ago, it was the best practice for tokens to be the thing that steered DAOs and are used for leadership of DAOs. While there is a lot of debate around how to properly lead DAOs and, and whether you know token-weighted governance is a good or a bad thing, it is what we've got. And, and it's a fairly good model compared to some of the other leadership challenges. You know, fully acknowledging plutocratic problems, fully acknowledging voter apathy, fully acknowledging just all the myriad of things and yet the DAO functions, and yet we have a lot of people involved in the DAO, even in a bear market. So, you know, what is bank? Bank is our collective ownership of the DAO. Great. Thanks, Einstein. And there's a lot that we can unpack there. Bank is an ERC-20 token, which is on the Ethereum mainnet. Bank also lives on Polygon at this point. And optimism. And optimism. So... We're on an Arbitrum, actually. So we're on Arbitrum, Optimism, Polygon, and Ethereum mainnet. The bank Bingo. token. Bingo. All right. And so now TL Bank gives us some more flexibility, and it's a new primitive, and a primitive being a core building block. TL represents time lock, time lock bank. So that prevents you from buying, selling, whatever during a specific time period. And so the purpose of that is, is multifold. One of those we should probably touch on initially is alignment. And that is at least what we've been talking about so far, one of the core purposes and uses for TL Bank. Yeah, 
That's correct. And so just to go into the history of it a little bit, like we inevitably get into the history of, of some of the, the tokenomics and treasury department a little bit, but ultimately we were managing the liquidity of the DAO and, and looking at like some of the challenges economically we were facing at the DAO. And, and one of which was this like airdrops would come to 35K bank holders or, and especially during the bull, this happened a lot. Like, you know, it'd be like night was airdropped to us, or I think it was SOS and Dow punks. And so if you had 35 K bank, you could, and a Dow punks is one of the best examples because of how successful a Dow and group they are. And so what we found was that during the period like that, you could mint Dow punks, people would buy up 35 K bank, buy a Dow punk and then dump it. And, and the idea of allowing 35k bank as a requirement for minting DAO punks was more about identifying high quality members to get the mint, you know, identifying people that are true DAO punks, people that were working at Bankless DAO or contributing at Bankless DAO as some examples. And those are the, like we, DAO punks is like, those are the people we want to be at DAO punks too. And cause those are true DAO punks. And so if people can buy the token and then dump it, people are gaming that system. And so we looked at that as just one use case and also curve and, and other ideas and different token ways of modifying and playing and gamifying or creating mechanisms with the economics and settled on what we initially called VE bank, which is vote escrow bank. We started to tip our toes into like, oh, like, you know, if you lock up for four years, it'll start like multiplying governance power. What we found, though, was that the conversation around modifying governance power, modifying, changing some of these weights became extremely complicated very quickly and implementation became extremely complicated. And so we, we kind of said, OK, let's let's put that on the back burner. Like, you know, we'll, we'll address that later. But at least initially, we want to create economic infrastructure. And and to do that in a DAO way is we first want to do it from a bottom up approach because similarly we were like oh let's make this primitive and tell everybody they got to use it and you can't do that in the doubt that's top down that's kind of corporate orientation so we were like oh yeah okay we can't do that so what can we do is we can create primitives or, or or secondary like economic tokens that are based off the first token and that have different components to them in this case, time, and that'll support and, and incentivize or, or potentially align people to the DAO. And so our aim and idea is that through adding time to bank, you are at least financially aligned to the DAO, at least. And so that that's just the first stage of what is TL Bank and how it came about. And, and we changed from vote escrow to TL actually, because Nanner was like, it's actually just time we're adding here. So how about we call it TL Bank? And it's important because he came up with a name and that was cool. And then ultimately it's just that through locking up and adding time to the token, you are aligned at least to some degree. And we also wanted to enable total freedom with the token. So if people lock up and they lose faith or they want to swap it on secondary markets, you still can. You could sell your NFT that represents your lock of tokens, but... If you swap it, there is a switch on the token that switches and it shows that it goes from non-transferred to transferred and that switches on. And so as soon as that happens, 
it indicates that the token and holder of that token is not the original locker and not value aligned. They may actually still be value aligned, but at least this is our effort at identifying value aligned people and wallets. And this is in concert with a larger initiative and effort to, you know, it's like proof of humanity kind of stuff, Gitcoin passport, like validating that one person, one wallet kinds of things. I didn't know that that was one of the parameters, if you will, that on transfer, you know, you've got that flag. And that introduces other questions too. I mean, I love this conversation because there are so many possibilities here. And I would encourage people as they're listening to write down your questions or let them bubble up in your head. And please, please come into forum.banklist.community as well as in the channels inside the BanklessDAO Discord server, which if you're a BanklessDAO member, you should already be familiar with that. BanklessDAO.community is how you navigate to that. But this is really important because, again, as being a primitive, there are so many different things we can do. And speaking to this transfer, I wanted to just kind of digress for a moment here. I didn't end up locking on the first day it became available, and I didn't get to it for a few days. And anyway, I wasn't really paying as close attention as I should have been, and I ended up minting three. Oh, nice. Okay. Of them. <laughs> you know, and, and that's great. Like, hey, you know, the more locked, the better. But as long as you feel comfortable with that. And, and, and I, I think well, so the it thing brings is, up a question, though. But go yep. ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, no, no. Well, these are some of the really fascinating conversations. And, and what I really want to enable is, is the secondary market. Like, I'm paying attention to that market. Right now, there's not a lot of activity over there. And I don't know that there ever will be. But by allowing people to transfer the NFT, which is a locked amount of bank, we've essentially created an options market, a secondary options market, where people can buy or sell bank based on the future perceived value of when it'll unlock. And so the NFT technically is like, you know, somebody could list it if they're just trying to get rid of their bank or something, they could list it for, you know, 80,000 bank at this point would be like something, I don't know, maybe let's say $100 for ease of math or, or some, you know, people could list it for, $90. And so you people that believe in bank could get 80,000 bank at a discount. You get the idea. It creates all these little fun, fun secondary marketplaces and, and things. Although this is the big thing we wanted to enable was, was as much flexibility to this as possible and as much decentralized adoption as possible too. Like we didn't want to create scenarios where we had to mandate from the top down of the DAO, like this is how it's going to be. It's like we want projects to be free to adopt it in the way they want and we're working on a, a ui for that too so that projects can pay contributors in tl bank if they so decide and and you know set variable because the smart contracts are actually completely wide open in terms of how much and how long and they have components for the ability to delegate the ability to the hedgy team calls it lock and load which is that you can add more bank and relock and like change the timeframes. Very clever from Hedgy. Oh, very cool. What we're planning on actually is further components where like, you know, NFTs that if you've relocked, because like for me, like my 80K in one year will be up for relocking. And we want to set it up so that you get an NFT that like upgrades year over year that you relock and potentially reload. I don't know, depending on the price of the token and the like, like these numbers will change. But at least right now, 80K is a, is a number that, that we've all agreed on. 
Yeah, I did the math, and it looks like it's about 400 bucks U.S. Uh, current prices. Okay, cool, yeah. There you go. But yeah, no, there's, there's just all kinds of cool stuff there. I, I wanted to make sure you were able to get that set of thoughts out. Well, one of the areas I was thinking of, especially since I effed up, I bought the three of them. <laughs> what I wanted, was talking about is being able to use that in a project, for example. So like whether it goes into even, let's say, a coordinate round that That's right, yep. at the end of the season, if you meet KPIs, and by the way, keep KPI shouldn't just be key performance indicator. It should also be keep people informed, involved, interested, and inspired. I got that from you, I think. Nice. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So using TL Bank, using one of those NFTs or more inside a project to signal alignment with the team that's working on it, but also that is that that light at the end of the tunnel or the carrot at the end of the season, whatever whatever the incentive is, if if the team meets all of those those objectives, and then that becomes part of the uh, compensation for the entire team. I mean, that's just one concept of what you could do with it and one that I had been thinking of. And then also on the sponsor side, that was a whole other piece I, I had in mind, a different set of circumstances. But I think you're already kind of highlighting like the point of this and like, and the ideas by adding time, we're adding a degree of commitment, like a degree of paying attention to, because if it's available right now, people can buy, people can sell. If you hold 35,000 bank, that doesn't really indicate whether you're you're here for the long haul at the Dow or not. You know, we have other indicators of that, like your L2 status or what have you. But liquid, meaning you can buy or sell it right now to, and there's lots of buyers and lots of sellers, i.e. it's liquid, it's movable, it's changeable right now. With no additional components to it, it doesn't signify commitment or long-term alignment to the Dow. So through adding time and the power of the smart contracts, which add the ability to create promises and commitments. And so we're saying that if you lock up your bank, even three times like yourself, Dros, which is great, like lots of commitment right there, <laughs> you know, you're at least to some degree committed to the Dow for this period of time with these finances. And, you know, we care about our finances. Why? Because our finances are a mixture of our time and money. And so we care about the value that's there, ideally, right? You know, making assumptions here, but that through this, we we indicate long-term value to the Dow. Are there, you know, outliers to this? Yeah, you know, there could be whales that, you know, mint TL Bank with a bunch of, of wallets. There could be like any number of things. But the big point of this is iteration and, and better, that we're aiming at being better. And, and so that when Dow Punks does an airdrop or available mint to the members of TL, to, you know, Bankless Dow or contributors of Bankless Dow, they can highlight TL Bank and go, give me all the unique addresses for, that hold TL Bank for 80K for a year, one, year plus. And they can go, ah, these people are at least to some degree aligned to the Dow and long-term aligned. And, and it adds just another kind of point of information. You know, you could add to that, like, oh, they voted on two snapshots. And Optimism has done this really beautifully. Is like, you know, snapshot, wallet on a Gnosis safe. You add all these together and you start to define a picture that can't be gamed of a person right, right. that is committed and long-term aligned to something. And it's just not just like a wallet that's farming. Because what we're really looking for 
is how do we identify and align people and give people the option to showcase their alignment, their belief, their care, because that's what we're really trying to identify is people that are invested, people that are committed. And, and through that, those are the people that should get the rewards of their investment and their commitment. And so that's kind of what TL Bank does. Additionally, there's financial components to this, which is that, you know, the bank token is the less liquid market. You can, if, if you want to buy and sell bank, you can't get access to the base primitive of bank until that lockup period is done. And so it, it financially, for those of us that, that care about the price of bank, it starts to create some floors and that's important too. And so even as I speak about this, it's a really interesting conversation about like the value of the money or the value of the tokens that some group is using. And then, and also the value of the group itself, you know, and, and the relationship to these things together. Cause I, I think that like there's a, there is a, a component of how we compensate ourselves and the value of that compensation and our ability to attract and maintain talent. And so there's a big kind of circle right here, like an economic circle about that the price does matter. And the price is also a reflection of what people believe in it and how valuable they see something. And also it's the ability for us to retain people at the DAO. It's actually a conversation that's kind of evolving in me around like what the base components of money, the organizations, that use those tokens or money and how people believe in it. And then also, you know, in the case of TL Bank, for us to create some floors that start protecting the debasement or devaluation of that money. Right. I wanted to touch on a couple of things. One is obviously the alignment and providing value to the organization. The organization continues to accrue value through the contributions of its members. And TL mm. Bank can represent that in a, in a meaningful way. But I wanted to also address something that, that is really important. And this speaks to the needs of people in the DAO and in decentralized space, whatever. Having different needs, whether it's geographic, economic circumstances, the ability to forego current income, if you will, for mm. future potential gain or potential whatever, value. whether it's voting yeah. power, value, name it, name the thing that it is for you. But the issue still becomes, how do we reward contributors that need current income in order to, I mean, to be able to spend the time they need and want to working on the down, working on these critical projects, how do we retain, yeah, because yep. we, we can't retain people that, that need to have current income to pay the bills. And that is a, just a fact of life. And we need to be able to, if not address that immediately, be working toward that. And I just was curious if you had any, any thoughts on that. I sure do. I got a lot of thoughts on that. What I love about this conversation is that it, it starts to pull on the threads of all of these things. And it's an important component of, of TL Bank and how important the financial primitive is and whether that's a token, an NFT or otherwise, like how it impacts everything and, and how nuanced it makes the conversation. It's, it's social, it's psychological, it's anthropological, it's, it's financial, it's, you know, governance on and on. So either way, to your point, I think that it, it's absolutely paramount 
that we are able to compensate our contributors properly and well. And it's paramount that we are able to retain talent because the DAO is its talent. Like all DAOs, you know, it's like a company is, is the people in some cases more or less, right? Like some companies are like the financial assets that are associated with the company or something. But our DAO as, you know, a labor DAO, social DAO, media DAO, some probably a mix of those things. It's a dessert it, topping and a floor wax. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly, that's right. You can clean your car with it too. But yeah, our DAO is the people that, that contribute to the DAO. And so how we compensate them is absolutely critical. Now I'm going to have some takes that, that I hope people disagree with me around, you know, or, or, or debate me on, but these are at least my current ideas. And, and that is that not all compensation is equal. Like our DAO is based on some of the early DAO orientations, which is much more decentralized. Like there's a number of DAOs that are starting now that are much more centralized. And Bankless DAO is, is actually a paragon, in my opinion, in terms of how decentralized we are, for better or for worse. The good side of it is anyone can get involved in anything. The bad side of it is that that involvement isn't qualified. And so there's the conversation of, should we pay anyone for anything that they do? And I would say no. Someone could decide that they're just going to contribute in whatever way they want, and they should be paid for it. And and roughly, we, we have a voting mechanism and a snapshot mechanism and a grants committee, and these are kind of like the distribution centers of the DAO. And we have yet to do a good job of vetting qualified contributions. Me and Links go back on this a number of times. Like, I think there's a, an opinion of any contribution is good contribution. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's true. I've, I've unfortunately seen, like, for example, InfoSec. And I, I bow to them every day. I'm grateful as hell that they... They are at the DAO and I would not want anybody working in InfoSec that just feels like they want to pop in and, and raise their hand because it's a deeply qualified position with deeply skilled work that is absolutely critical to the DAO. And I think we saw an example of this, a, a negative example of this in the Coordinate Round administration where somebody raised their hand, they got elected because they were willing to do the work, they were unvetted, and then they started stealing from the DAO. And, and so I think that there's, there's a strong case for, and this is related to the conversation of 1K bank per hour, which is you know, its own problem. And it's unfortunately a, a challenge that, that has been here at the DAO since the outset as well, because it's like, how do we evaluate someone's contribution? I don't know. I'm not sure yet, but I plan to continue the conversation. I hope that TL Bank can start to support that conversation. If not TL Bank, you know, version one, which is what it currently is, maybe version three or five. But, you know, I think that this is a challenge that the larger crypto ecosystem experiences. And so it's basically to say that all contribution is, is awesome and welcome, and we have to vet it somehow. And unfortunately, a lot of the vetting that I see is people have to work for free for a period of time. That's not sustainable either. And so we have the two sides of this model, which is one, just pay people for the work that they're doing. And then you get scenarios where people farm DAOs. Like I've, I've heard about them as DAO farmers, where they, they go, they do bare minimum amount of work, ask for funding, and then get a grant. And then on the other side, you have, you know, doing interviews, like a completely permissioned system. 
And then somewhere in between, you have what I've seen at some DAOs, which is where it's like, you have to work for free for like three months. And I don't know what the answer is. What I know though, is that it's important and we need to work towards solving that, not just as a DAO, not as just bankless DAO, but all DAOs together and the larger crypto ecosystem, because I, I see that as a, as kind of like an intersection an inflection point, but also a conflict point because people that need funds can't just work for free and people that are excited about contributing and like they're learning and leveling up. Like if they have to go through an interview, they never get a chance. But then on the other side, like people that are just wanting to contribute, you know, we don't want people farming DAOs either because for the people that are excited about permissionless involvement and doing that, it paints them all in a bad light. And so there's this interesting balance that I've experienced around all of this. Should we pay our contributors? Absolutely. And there's this big challenge right here that's really tough. Right. These are all questions that need to be answered. And, you know, just stepping back and part of the whole reason we're here in the first place is we're trying to figure out new ways of addressing economic inequality reputation yep all of the things that we talk about in this space all the different reasons people are here whether it's financial security self-determination go down the list and coupled with that is human coordination and so this is yet another tool in the toolbox to see what we can do to be better humans to coordinate better to compensate each other better to reward valuable work in ways that are meaningful and, and no, we don't have all the answers, but this is another tool in that toolbox. And that's really what like TL bank is meant to be a bottom up approach. It's actually like a, a leadership approach that I continue to learn about through working at the Dow, you know, cause I, I come from a corporate background and it's like, oh, management says this is what's going to happen versus we make this thing available and people can use it or not. And if it's good and it's well thought through and has good incentives, people use it. And that's really what I'm hoping for with TL Bank. And like you said, it's another tool. And the tool is like, we've got bank. We know how to distribute that. Cool. How about, you know, bank plus time? And what I really hope happens is that we get a mix of both. Like we start, we start to see funding in, in half and half or something like that so that we both support people that need to be funded and need to have liquid bank. I'll also highlight their alignment. There's so many layers that become enabled here. Like for the grants committee, for example, if a project seems risky, they could pay 80% in TL bank, 90%. And then the project gets to decide like, no, we're really committed. We'll absolutely take that. Or they go, no, that doesn't work for us. And so it, it creates new options in terms of like the risk exposure, both to the DAO and to the token. And so we get to, you know, for what seems like we, we get to disincentivize farmers who want to get access to, to funds immediately, while we get to start to qualify a little bit of the work of the, the people that are doing work too, through the addition of time. And so, and ideally if they're qualified, they should be committed and time lock bank should be is a representation of that commitment, hopefully. So. Yeah, I find myself nodding along a lot of things here. And you and I have both experienced all of these things you're talking about mm -hmm. over the last couple of years without enumerating them again. 
And it's very real and we need to solve for those things. And you're 100% right. We've kind of been talking conceptually and in generalities about what we can do with it, what kinds of things it enables. I would like to get into some specifics here. So yeah, the TL Bank ends up becoming an NFT. So you can lock at this point, there's, if you go into the UI bankless.community and then it's a drop down over the, I forget the, well, I'll bring it up. I'll, yeah, to, to when you start talking again, bank. I'll bring it up. Yeah. So there's two different settings currently. You can either lock 40,000 bank tokens for six months or 80,000 for a year. And when you do that, you, you approve and mint. And that then takes 80,000 or 40,000 bank out of the wallet you're connected with and creates an NFT with that amount of bank held in it for the amount of time that you've chosen to lock. And then that is then represented. You can see it on OpenSea and trade it like any other NFT. But as you had mentioned, ICE, there will be a transfer flag. So it will note that that particular locked bank has been transferred if you do end up selling it or transferring it to a friend or something. That's right. The important bit is it, it is 100% okay to sell it. It is 100% okay to transfer it. But that that transfer flag, actually, Hedgy didn't have any of that. We had to custom design this because in the ideation and design phase of TL Bank, we were like, well, what if somebody just sends their dang NFT somewhere else? And it's like, well, could we create a logic flag that says like the original minting wallet is the current holding wallet? And Hedgy said, absolutely, no problem. And so it was, and it's built into the metadata. Okay, great. Another key question here is how will that tie into voting on discourse and snapshot? Will those amount of tokens that are locked up be able to be represented as votable tokens? Yes, indeed. Excellent. Already currently, it's one-to-one -one right now. And the reason it's one-to-one -one is because we wanted to get it out there. We wanted to get an MVP out and then start talking about it later. Like, should it multiply your votes? Should it not? Should it be this? Should it be that? The most important thing we wanted to do in tokenomics was to create the primitive and allow people to start using it. And then from that use, start to ideate off of that. The problem that we don't want to run into and in, in some of the flags where we kind of leaned away was it could magnify the plutocratic problem where people that have a lot to lock up just lock up for 10 million years and it times all their votes by 10 million. And you know the people that don't need the money or need bank the most could be the most powerful. And that is not what we want. Like we do not want to enable that. So we were just like, let's just, sidestep that conversation for now and that's a conversation that is still an active and hot debate anywhere that there is token weighted voting you know and I, I think that some people are they've written off token weighted voting i think there's still some value to it but it needs to be there's there's more nuance it's like we need to mix capitalism and socialism somehow and develop nuance in there because it's there's it's something still seems valuable to me in that but but i fully acknowledge all the faults that everyone says about token weighted voting. Sure, sure. Yeah, we've all witnessed that. I mean, I, I even feel guilty sometimes because I have a cumulative, well, maybe not guilty, but I, <laughs> guilty is a strong word. I've, I've earned the tokens. But the point is, is that I have a fair amount of voting power now. And, and I try to be very careful about that because I try not to vote on things that I don't know enough about or abstain from it or whatever. But I, I really feel obligated to really understand these proposals, especially Snapshot before I vote on them because my, my vote is meaningful. And so, yeah, we, I mean, we think about that. I know I'm not the only one who's, who's had that thought cross their mind. And I think that you're a perfect case though. Like you're, you are, you've earned the tokens. So 
because you've you've created Making Bank and done and created this awesome podcast and contributed to the DAO and in lots of different ways. And that's that's the total use case that we want to enable and validate and reinforce at the DAO because that's what they're there for. Like you should have a say. Why? Because you've worked on this thing. Now, you know, the challenge is that when somebody would say they buy 20 million bank or something like that, 50 million bank, whatever, and they just blow a vote out and they've never worked a day in the DAO because it might benefit them. That's what we're trying to control for. And so enabling the people that have worked a lot and also highlighting the people that, that have had to sell a bank for whatever reason, you know, whether they, they felt like taking a profit or because they needed to pay bills, the people that have worked here for a long time, we're hoping that TL Bank supports that some too, because like, I think there's attention on like the loss of the bank. Oh, it's locked up for a year, but also it, it's also locked up for a year. So like by locking up for a year, that is bank that is out of your wallet, that is guaranteed voting rights for you too. So kind of all these things together and just wanting to highlight the different aspects of this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see, I'm just going through some of the questions here. We're talking about, again, the governance decisions. I'm not sure I understand this question or the set of questions. Again, back to voting on discourse and snapshot. Does this imply that projects will need to reach a consensus within their subgroups for each post on forum, and that's discourse, and then vote as one unit? I'm not sure I understand how that would even work with discourse. I think the answer to that one is, is I would hope that any organizational unit, you know, project, department, guild, or otherwise, does find consensus within, them, within themselves. TL Bank as a unit is, is like one wallet, one TL Bank. And so there's no sharing of a TL Bank NFT. So yes, like if a project had TL Bank, if it wanted to vote, that's what it would do. I would hope that projects are not voting. I think the orientation toward this is that Projects generally shouldn't hold TL Bank. They should hold bank, but they should distribute TL Bank. And it's something that we're working on where like the main contract can lock up TL Bank and drop it into a wallet that does not show transfer. We're actually in debate around this idea. Like should, if we pay someone TL Bank, should they get preemptively the rights to that or not? I think we might even have like a toggle for that on the UI where it's like, pay TL bank and let it count or to pay TL bank and let it not count. I don't know. That's a version 2.0 right there. Yeah. Well, that actually leads into another question, which is how grants committee will be funding projects. And I know there's been a fair amount of discussion around that, whether it would be issued in TL bank or regular bank or combination of the two, you know, depending upon cash flow and the needs of, of the project in particular. And I'll just use, use this show as an example, a really simple one. We have monthly expenses that I pay for out of my yeah, credit card. I spend that whether we do a show or not or how many shows we've got. It, they are subscriptions to the tools I use. And so if I'm just being compensated in bank or, or well, TL bank is the example here, and I don't get that for six months or have access to that for six months, like, okay, well, I'm floating the project for six months on my credit card which, you know, kind of rubs me the wrong way. So those are definitely some real concerns, not just with this little project we've got here, but you look at the broader and projects with much larger budgets and people that need current income and so on. And so how, how is that discussion progressing? I know there's been some movement on that. Yep. Yep. That's right. So one, I think the big thing is, is that any project that, that is currently paying for costs and somehow from a contributors, like ask for those in stables. Because we want to surface that because that is that is actually one of the true runways of the DAO. And, and examples of this are like Notion or Discord or Discourse, you know, like the forum. 
Second, what the grants committee, what we're currently ideating on is, is paying, is, is making a KPI paying contributors in TL bank. And so that way that to allow projects and departments and guilds to compensate as they see fit, although pay down to contributors, TL bank while leaving bank liquid in the projects multi-sig. And so how that might look is that grants committee will likely pay all vetted projects in bank. And then depending on the project department or guild say, Hey, could you pay your contributors for the first season or for the, the first half of the season in TL bank? And then for the second half of the season, pay in bank or something like that, you know, you tell us what's appropriate. And so by doing that, the project maintains liquid bank. Also contributors become aligned to the project and the DAO through the compensation TL bank. And, you know, if, if they need to be paid at latter half of the season or something like that in bank, they can. This is just one idea. Like there's a bunch of different ideas, but this is the, the general sense is that it shouldn't be grants committing paying groups in or org units in TL bank directly, unless it's a new project, it's an unvetted project, or it's an unvetted something. In that case, TL Bank can come into play and and in some ways like, oh, this group wants 20 million bank and they want to do this super cool, huge thing and they want to do this and that. Like instead of the DAO being outright like, no, we can't pay you because that's just too risky of a project, we can say, okay, we'll pay you, but we'll pay you, you know, this much bank with a five-year lockup. What do you like? Are you still up for this? Right. And then the well, that project brings in the be, escrow portion, really. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And and so then then the project can be like, no, you know, because we actually just wanted to get the bank so we could sell it. And, and then the grants committee gets to go. Well, good. I'm glad that we found that out. We don't actually want to pay you then, you know, or or like this is not actually a, a good project for the DAO. Because yeah, they it's just, almost like you got to red team it, right? To yeah. see what. Okay, what if we do this? What happens? What are the potential? It just creates more options. Even that we're having this conversation is part of like what we wanted to create with TL Bank, which is that like, oh, there's, you have more tools in your tool belt. You know, projects have more tools to say like, because, you know, projects will come into, you know, contributors will come, come into a project and it'll be just like, oh, random new schmo. Who knows whether they're good or bad. You go, yeah, I'd love to pay you. Oh, you're, you're really new. I'm going to pay you in TL Bank locked up for, for six months. Is that okay? And they go, no, I need it right now. And then you go, okay, I'm so, unfortunately, you know, you're too new. I'll need to see you work at the Dow for a little bit before I feel more trusting of giving you access to whatever. Yeah. Right? And, and that's it. totally a valid, honest, upfront look. This is how it works. This is how we do things. And if that doesn't work for you, well, then maybe we, we can, maybe we can figure out a different way if you really want to contribute. But in this case, we need a longer commitment or we, you know, whatever the, the mechanism is or what stage the project is at, like you described before. Yeah, that's right. Excellent. That's right. It, it just, just more options. Yeah. And I'm just looking down here, like again, list of stuff. And I think we touched on, on these use cases, for example, requiring TL bank to vote on governance. We kind of touched on that. Well, we didn't, we didn't actually, we touched on it in terms of TL bank counting toward voting, but this could be actually a different mechanism here, which is, that's right. yeah, well, maybe touch on that a bit. Yeah. I think there's a number of gates here, right? Like you could say the, the VE model, like curves VE is, you know, multipliers. 
but it, it could also be binary where you, you have TL bank, thus you can vote. You know, you have TL bank, thus now your bank in general matters, or you have TL bank and now you have one vote. We could radically redesign our governance around some of these things. So it's one wallet, one vote kind of thing. You know, there's, there's still cool components there. You know, one wallet, one vote can be gamed, blah, blah, blah. Lots of little, little outliers, but these are options. Yeah. And hopefully this is getting the juices flowing. I think this might be one that the folks might have to re-listen to take some secondary notes. All right, let's touch on another one. Requiring TL Bank to obtain project benefits. Yep. I think that's in line with the same idea and immediate use cases. TL Bank is, is if it's identifying people that are long-term aligned with the DAO, who should accrue value that the DAO obtains? And so say... Theoretically, there's a new primitive called bankless ETH where people stake their ETH and get validator rewards. And validator rewards, like some go back to the DAO and some come in the form of bank or something like that. Or there's some, some yield-bearing asset. TL bank holders are the ones that get that yield. These are some of the initial ideas. Access to the DAO goes to TL bank holders. Access to certain components of websites go to TL bank holders. Access to airdrops go to TL bank holders. Or Bingo. you have a channel that is specific to people that are long-term aligned. Just That's as right. an example. Right. Yep, yeah, 100%. And this is, this is in both ideation and in development. You know, there's constraints that we have to work out here. We actually might at some point have to upgrade some of the smart contracts like you know deposit your tl bank and based on the metadata like we might have to exchange tl bank for a new set of smart contracts because you know we outgrow the current functionality which would be great that can be done by like stake or deposit your tl bank and you know one-to-one -one get something else but either way the point is that there's a lot of options there's a lot of functionality and and this was one swing at how we do it and there's limitations and having benefits accrue to the people that are the most committed to the DAO is essentially what TL Bank is meant to support and also really highlight like these members are committed to the DAO. These members are committed to the project. These members are committed to whatever they happen to be working for and really enable that. Sure. So I'd do another one. Requiring TL Bank to sponsor a project for funding. Yeah, and that's the same thing. This is ideating on who gets to put up project proposals, who gets to put up funding proposals. That's an idea based around reducing farming of bank, which is that you have to have a champion that is committed to the DAO. And if they're committed to the DAO, likely they'll be vetting their contributors. Very cool. All right. I just wanted to touch on the mechanics of it here. When I'm minted, I'm just looking at Etherscan here. And I would recommend, by the way, once you do go to the UI and mint, go ahead and go to Etherscan, double check. In fact, I add notes. We'll level up yeah. on Etherscan, log into Etherscan. You can create a transaction note for anything. I have tracked wallets, all kinds of cool stuff. But anyway, when I did that, the first one I did, this was for the 80K. It cost, let's see, it was, it was 38 guay that day. Unfortunately, it's a little higher, but Transaction fee was about, let's see, $21 and some change. That was for that one. And then I did a couple others later. Let's see, where are we here? Yeah, gas on these was a little bit high. Yeah, so this one, 16 bucks on the next one. So that was on 
gas was down at 28. And then I saw gas was down at like 14 the other night. So watch gas prices because since this is creating NFT, the gas prices are a little higher. So you want to watch that. The UI is pretty, pretty straightforward, very simple. You guys, uh, we worked with Hedgy on that. Did you want to touch on Hedgy Finance at all? A little bit of background on them? and um... Yeah, I, I sure do. And, and just one more component on, so we've had some people ask about like, oh, they have to approve the contract. And this is actually a security feature. So like when they first in, initiate the mint, it'll ask you to approve the amount of bank you, you want to spend on this. This is a security feature that that is approving this contract to use this much of your bank. And this is a feature that is meant to protect you from, say, something happens, whatever. EVM, this firm of Solidity gets hacked in some way, like Viper got hacked or something. This would protect your stores of bank from being emptied from your wallet. So it's not a universal approve, it's a, it's a limited approve. And the reason I highlight that is I've had a number of people ask me about that. They weren't sure you know, what that was about because not all contracts have some of that. So one, so one that, two, and yeah, and then you can go through and do your mint. Yeah, I'm in the UI right now. So I go to bankless.community, and then if you're in a narrow window, you've got a hamburger menu off to the left, and then it is the token. If you widen your display, then that's across the top. And under the token menu, it is, the only thing there is lock bank, connect your wallet, and then the choices are either six months at 40 and tells you, you know, minimums 40. And then you can do six months at 40 or you're at 80. Those are really the only choices, right? So if you put in 80, you couldn't like mint to 40. So you could do that or not. That's right. So technically you could go to the smart contract and custom mint as much as you want for as long as you want. Right. But we use the UI to control for that. So that project if they're so inclined, can with their own UI, say for a, a website or say, you know, Bankless HQ requires 100,000 bank locked up for two years to get access to some secret feature. This UI is just meant to make quick and easy those components, but the smart contract does allow for wide open minting in, in whatever different ways and shape you inform. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm looking here and so far there's 9.68 million bank locked and there are 133 holders. And yeah, I'm looking in the lock interface here and you can't actually type in that window where it says how many you lock. No, you it's, not, yeah. It basically is populating that depending on whether you click on the radio button for six months at 40K or one year at 80K. And so yeah, approve the tokens and then approve the creation of the NFT, right? That's right. And the last thing is that the first hundred mentors of TL Bank are actually going to get a surprise. I didn't make that window, unfortunately. I was a little no, slow you didn't. Down. Sorry, man. Nope, I blew it. <laughs> I blew it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's okay. It's I it's it was it was little little secret alphas that I was I was dropping on on the community call and elsewhere. But you know, you you did you did get TL Bank, and you know we <laughs> might we might extend a like maybe have a some some other like benefit you know in the future for for first 500 or something but well here's the for thing, now you know yeah to yeah. be honest i saw that there maybe we were gonna do something for the first 50 and i thought Ooh, I, i'm i'm not gonna do the first 50 on purpose because there have been a couple of things i was really early for just because i i heard about it really fast and it's like ah you know i i just i don't want to be the guy that does that and so anyway but then i got really sure, busy sure. and so then it got over 100 and i kind of screwed myself <laughs> 
<laughs> but oh well. Yeah, that's 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 the game, man. That's but, but sure it's still is. it's still okay. You you locked up some, and, and you're contributing <laughs> to the positive economics of Bankless DAO and Bank. Right now, I do have just a little bit of a, and I know Miss Katrina would appreciate my commentary here. I I did notice there's a typo in the UI. Oh no! <laughs> Where? Hang on. And do you know what they misspelled? <laughs> no, it's gonna kill you. Ethereum. What is it? Ethereum. Ethereum. It's right there at the Hang top, on. right above the lock bank. Available yeah. on. I mean, oh, Ethereum. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's. <laughs> but it does work. The smart contracts work. It's just a yeah. typo. No, that's right. Well, oh my gosh, Ethereum. Yep. And also, yeah. As an aside, in the future, this will be on Polygon and Optimism. So. Oh, nice. All right, let's see here. What do we still need to touch on? I think we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about the use cases. Oh, I wanted to just clarify in one of the comments here. What is the idea behind only the minting address having L1 access even after transferring the TL Bank token? I think we addressed that, but I maybe in a different way. So TL Bank, the TL Bank NFT, I should say, is transferable, but then there's that toggle. How does that impact L1 access, I guess? Yep, yep. So if you hold it and you have not transferred it, you get L1. If you transfer it, you lose L1. Simple as that. As simple as that. And then the future holder of that transferred TL Bank does not get L1. They get bank in the future, but they do not get L1 for having TL Bank until they unlock the bank and if they are so inclined to relock it back up. So is L1 access now only going to be gated by TL Bank, or is it still gated by a 35,000 bank minimum? It's, it's gated by both TL Bank and a 35K bank minimum. That's going to change. And that's dependent on conversation that's happening in the DAO. But the 35K bank, similarly, it's, they have a value accruing to it, which is the value of access to the DAO. So there's guest passes, you know, the 35K bank hold and the TL bank. Guest passes are getting some revisions because similarly, it's a case of people just farming access to the DAO. And so there's going to be conversation revisions around that in season nine already starting. And in fact, they started at the beginning of season eight. We, we were taking one thing at a time to the 35k bank hold because it doesn't signify anything it seems improper to prescribe l1 to it versus someone that has tl bank for six months or a year-long lockup so either one gets l1 and likely you know l3 and 4 needs to be revised as well because l4 is is an artifact of a year and a half ago when we needed liquidity and you know l4 has provided liquidity l3 was holders of 150,000 bank and likely that'll start being prescribed to year-long lockups or something this is pending community conversation and discussion but the the key bit is that we're wanting to start moving l1 toward true value alignment of the dao and basically make all these levels mean something like start prescribing value to all these levels much more intentionally. And so 35K bank moving away from that. And even so, it's like 35K bank was just an arbitrary number that was decided upon at the very, very, very early days of the DAO. So. Yeah. And, you know, that brings up another potential issue or concern. And 
you know, we want to make it easy for people to come into the DAO and, and experience it and get a flavor for if it's a place they want to spend time. And, you know, how do we do that while, you know, maintain a, a robust guest pass system that decays as it should? But then also for folks that do want to stick around, and again, maybe we have that concern or they have that concern about they don't have the ability to lock up that much bank for that much time initially. And I know we've seen in the past where, where very good contributors end up kind of crossing that threshold between having and not having enough bank to maintain their status and then having to get re-upped for L2 on the social side. And it's a constant challenge. And, and I just wanted to acknowledge that, that anyone who's listening that is in that situation, we hear you and, and we need to solve for that. Yeah. And, and I, I think some ideas that I've heard thrown around, it's like, like some kind of like a, like a vetting system where it's like if, if two to three L2s, you know, vouch for you or something like that, like social vetting, then we can start creating like enablement right like guest pass decay and while enabling people to be able to earn up to either 40,000 bank locked up for six months or you know up to an 80k lockup or, or something and there's there's even discussion around season passes and things like that too so it's like making purchasing these things so that it's like money goes back to the DAO for some of this but a lot of ideas a lot of discussion still to be had. The thing that it, I think is just really important to acknowledge in here is, is one, yes, it's like fully acknowledging everyone's challenges and plights. And also, and there's the other side of the conversation, which is that unfortunately that, that scarcity increases value and, and we have to be engaged with that. And ultimately the DAO has to be able to say no to things. How, why, and what criteria and priorities not sure, but it's part of a mature and healthy conversation that the DAO needs to have and is having. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked in the past, maybe not in, in, in this forum, but toxic positivity. <laughs> I mean, we have to be realistic about That's how right. we can properly reward people and properly recognize their contributions, not unnecessarily be yet another stumbling block for people who have already had enough stumbling blocks put in front of them or, or gates put in front of them that are locked. That's right. Yeah. Right. I think that in the same way that like if we contribute everyone for everything, we devalue what we contribute. And, and then in the same breath, by saying no, setting boundaries, starting to shore up what we compensate, how, why, and qualify that a little bit more, we increase the value of the compensation that we do give to the people when we give it. And that makes the DAO and the people that are doing the contribution more sustainable. And so it's part of a very large conversation and it's coming. Well, I think that's an excellent note to end on. I think we've touched on a lot of the concerns I think people have had. There's been a lot of discussion inside the treasury management channel. I tried to address a lot of things that have come up in there. And then I just wanted to give a shout out to Winverse B. Parlin, who joined AV recently and is going to be working on repurposing some of the discussion we've had here to try and make this more understandable for folks that are wanting to maybe learn more about TL Bank, understand how it works, maybe also generate some ideas on how it can be used in your project or how we can benefit the DAO and our member contribution family going forward. Perfect. It was a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. I didn't know where I was going to end on that. No, it was great. Nail it.
All right, Iced, any links that we want to reference? Well, we'll obviously put them in the show notes. We'd mentioned Bakelist.community a few times. That's our, our main <laughs> web landing spot. You can join the Discord from there. You can learn about the community from there. You can lock TL Bank directly from that website. Yep, that, that's right. I think the other thing, if you want to get involved in, in these kinds of conversations and, and what we're doing here, come on down to the Treasury Department. Feel free to jump in and tokenomics, say, share your interest. I think, if anything, just a humongous deep bow of gratitude and appreciation to Hedgy Finance. You know, the whole team over there it was just amazingly excellent to work with and also hang out with at ECC. Um, just a super upstanding crew. And that's about it. It's been it's been really fun talking with you about this, Drost. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Aisten. I, I also love the fact that you're able to meet in person with the Hedgy team at ECC. I think that's huge. We had talked a bit about maybe looping in someone from Hedgy in a future episode to maybe talk some more tech details and about all the other work that they're doing, because it, it sounds like they've been really fantastic to work with and, and really have a lot of flexibility that matches with what our needs are. And so that's super cool. Yeah, it, it really is. And I mean, honestly, to gush about them just a little bit, I mean, they've made things for Shapeshift. They're building things for Mantle, the new L2. They're doing some really cool stuff. So, Super fantastic. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap. And yeah, I mean, we didn't even talk about ECC. We've had you on the show a couple of times about different topics. It's always fun to have you back. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. <laughs> yes, it is always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Oh, just uh, the Treasury and Tokenomics. What day of the week is that meeting that you guys do? You have a weekly Treasury and Tokenomics one, isn't Yeah. It? Yeah. There's two components of the Treasury Department, the Treasury Management and then Tokenomics. Treasury Management is on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. Thursdays, we talk about Tokenomics 1.0 and the implementation of that, which is like the guest pass, TL Bank, you know, iterating on that, that whole system. And then um, it's soon to be conversations around like compensation, season pass, et cetera. But really, in potential future conversations around things like bankless ETH, which I'm going to leave as a little secret alpha. And then Friday is where we do at 11 a.m. Eastern as well as where we just do a, a weekly sync on the, the tokenomics at large, how TL Bank's being used, how's the leave for the DAO, things like that. Any, anything that anybody wants to geek out in terms of the financials and technical, jump on in. Perfect. All those sessions are always open to the entire community. So hop on in. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Ice. Really appreciate it. I knew you've been super busy lately between travel and personal stuff and the DAO and just really, really appreciate you sharing this. And I think our membership is really going to appreciate it. And I'm sure it'll generate a lot more questions and comments. So again, thanks a lot. Yeah, that's absolutely. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. This has been Making Bank, a production of Bankless DAO. If you'd like to learn more about Bankless DAO, please visit bankless.community on the web for more information and how to get started. And of course, if you like what we're doing, please like, subscribe, and follow on your favorite podcast platform.